Jesus is about to conclude his Sermon on the Mount, keep in mind he has been painting a picture of the person who is a part of his kingdom, what that person is supposed to look like. A person of God's kingdom is going to have his attitudes right. In other words, he's going to be right on the inside. He's going to be poor in spirit. He's going to be sorry for his sin and and confessing those sins to God, asking God for forgiveness. He's going to be gentle. He's going to be hungering and thirsting after righteousness. All of those beatitudes that you see in the early part of Matthew chapter 5, those are a part of what a person of the kingdom is to look like. That's what they that person is to be striving for. As we get our inner life right with God, that's going to make a difference then in how we look and act on the outside. In other words, once the inside is right, then we can be salt to the earth and we can be light to the world. And I hope and pray that that's what you and I are trying to be. And then Jesus spent some time in this sermon cautioning his listeners about the Pharisees. He cautioned them about the Pharisees' teaching and about their hypocritical living. He did not hold back any punches. He was bold and he was to the point. And it's no wonder that after he finished preaching, the Pharisees were ready to kill him. Jesus exposed them for who they really were, and they did not like it one little bit. He said, too, that a person of the kingdom should have their treasures invested in heaven, not just here upon the earth. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Then he had some things to say about worry. He said, don't worry about what you are going to wear or what you're going to eat or drink. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could live that passage of scripture out? That we wouldn't worry about things, but instead that we would trust God that he's going to take care of us, that he's going to provide for us. From there, he cautioned his listeners not to be judgmental about their neighbor. We talked about that just last week. It's so easy to see the speck that is in our brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in our own eye. And Jesus said, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and following, he then had some things to say about prayer. Let me read two of those verses to you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open. You would think that with that kind of promise given to us, we would spend more time praying. And yet, there are so many who don't spend time praying. But remember, as we pray, we are not to be asking just for what we want. We are to be asking for what he wants. We are to be praying for his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. 
The original text means that we are to keep on asking. We are to keep on knocking. We are to keep on seeking. In other words, we are to persevere in our praying. It's the same persistence that you see of the fellow in Luke chapter 11 who is crying out to his neighbor for bread. You remember that? His neighbor's already gone to bed for the night. And this fellow has some company show up. A friend has come and he's hungry and he needs something to eat and he doesn't have anything in his own house to feed him. And so he goes to his neighbor's house who's already in bed and he starts knocking on his door and he starts crying out to his neighbor for bread. And the neighbor's saying, go away. I'm already in bed. Go away. And, and, and this fellow's saying, I have a friend who has shown up at my house and I have nothing to feed him. Please give me some bread so that I can give him something to eat. And he just keeps on knocking and he keeps on crying out to his neighbor for bread. And finally, the neighbor realizes he, he's not going to get any sleep at all unless he just gets up and gives to his neighbor what he's asking for. And so that's what he does. He gets up. He gives him some, some bread just so he can get some sleep for the night. And Jesus says, so too, if you ask the heavenly father and if you seek and if you knock with persistence, then he will answer. And I want to encourage you to be a persistent prayer warrior who frequently goes before the throne of God and that you would ask of him great and mighty things and that you will keep on asking him because we believe that there is absolutely nothing too difficult for him to do. If you ask him for a loaf of bread, he will not give you a stone, Jesus says. Or if you ask him for a fish, he will not give to you a snake. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? You know, there's so much more that we could say about the subject of prayer. I'm actually going to leave that for another time. Because I want us to finish the Sermon on the Mount today. I will say this, though, about the subject of prayer. If you just look at this passage alone on the subject of prayer, you could almost go away thinking that prayer is like a magic lamp, that you just rub the lamp, you you just ask, you just seek and you knock, and he's going to give you anything that you're asking for. It's not that way at all. And that's why it's important that we look at all of the passages in the Bible about the subject of prayer. We are supposed to be praying according to His will. And we are to be praying in faith. And we are to be having a pure heart. And we are to be living a life that is pleasing unto Him. If you put all of that together, then you realize it's not really about us Rather, it's about him and what his will is. And those are the things that we're going to be asking him for. Those things which are high on his priority list. And he will not disappoint us. He longs to give good gifts to his children. Don't neglect to see verse 12 of Matthew chapter 7. He says, however then you want people to treat you. So you treat them. 
For this is the law and the prophets. This is the law of love. And it sums up not only the Old Testament law, it sums up the the Sermon on the Mount. The person of God's kingdom should treat other people just the way he wants to be treated. In other words, you want to be treated fairly, then you treat others fairly. You want to be treated with kindness, then you treat other people with kindness. You want people to be patient towards you and merciful towards you, then you do that, be that towards other people. You be patient and you be merciful towards them. The world would be such a better place if we all could live by this golden rule. And it's at this time in his sermon where Jesus then calls for a choice to be made. Jesus is not just into ooing and aahing people with his literary skills. No, he's calling for them to change his life. He's calling for them to decide which pathway they are going to follow. And so he says this, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Would you, for a moment, pause and just let those words sink into your mind and into your heart? There are two roads leading to two gates. The first road is a heavily traveled road. It's the road that most people are on. Its way is broad and its gate is wide. It leads to destruction. The word destruction means utter ruin or hell. Hear this truth, my friend. If you travel the, ro- the wide road, the, wor- the road that the world is traveling on, it will lead you to hell. And it's such an easy road to travel. It's the pathway of least resistance. You, on this road, you just go with the flow. You live like everybody else lives. You talk like everybody else talks. Your philosophy for living is the same philosophy that the world has. You are defined by the very ways in which the world is defined. You love the things the world loves. You think like everybody else thinks. If this is the road you choose to travel, know that it will lead you to complete and everlasting destruction. And this is Jesus' warning to each and every one of us. Usually, if we don't heed to warning signs, there's going to be a wreck up ahead. Those yellow warning signs and caution lights are there for a reason. They are there to warn us of hazards that are ahead. They tell us to slow down. There's a sharp curve up ahead. There's, there's a dangerous intersection coming up. Maybe there's a bridge out. Maybe there's water over the road. You be careful. That's what the warning signs are for. 
And if we ignore the warning signs, we're inviting trouble and disaster into our life. The same is true in this passage. Jesus is warning us about this broad road that everybody seems to be traveling on. He says, this is the road that will lead you to complete and utter ruin. You may think right now, it's the party road. It's the fun road. It's the road where we can all just eat, drink, and be merry, but you're not seeing the whole picture. It will lead you to hell forever and ever if you stay on this road, if you choose to travel this road. Get off of the road, Jesus says, before it's too late. There's a second road that you can choose to travel. It's the road less traveled. It's the narrow road. The word narrow implies even that it's not an easy road to travel. I'm thinking of a road that our family has traveled on two or three occasions up above Estes Park, Colorado. Maybe some of you have traveled that same road. It's a narrow, winding road that is gravel and dirt, and and there's lots of twists and turns to this road and chug holes, and, and, and all the while that you're on it, it's climbing higher and higher and higher towards the pass. <laughs> but, oh my, what a beautiful road. What, what grandeur along that narrow path that you see. And what you see at the top of the pass is breathtaking. It is a road worth traveling. And Jesus is talking about a road worth traveling. He says it's a narrow road. It's a hard road. Its gate is small. It leads to life. My daughter, Rebecca, is leaving today right after this service for her summer internship at Keokuk, Iowa, where she'll be working in a church in the youth department. And this last week, uh, knowing this day was coming, we got the atlas out, or I got the atlas out. She's looking on her computer. That's the difference in our generations. She looks on the computer, and I'm looking at the atlas. But we are looking for the best route to take to Keokuk, Iowa. And and we agreed going to Kansas City, north, on 69 highways, the way to go. But as you get north of Kansas City, there's a couple of options that you could take. In fact, there's three options that you could take. You could take Highway 70, east. And then once you get to the middle part of the state, you kind of zigzag and up through the middle of the state towards Hannibal, Missouri. Then you can go on north of Kansas City, Highway 36 at Cameron, Missouri, and you can head over on 36 Highway East and all the way to Keokuk. Or you can go all the way to the, to the, almost to the point where you're out of Missouri, almost into Iowa. There's a Highway 136, and you can head east all the way to Keokuk across the top of Missouri. There's several ways that you can get to Keokuk. In fact, if you wanted to, you just take Highway 54 right here over to Jeff City and then zigzag up through the midsection of the state and you'll get to Keokuk. Lots of ways that you can get to Keokuk, Iowa from here. And 
we're used to that kind of a thing. If we're going to go to Joplin from here, there's several different ways that you could go. You could go Highway 54 east and down 43 Highway South into Joplin. Or you can go south on 69 Highway and go down to Riverton and then over east on 7th Street into Joplin. Or you can go 69 Highway South and just south of Pittsburgh, 171 East over into Joplin. Lots of different ways that you can go to Joplin. And and, and roads that are different options, they all get you to the same destination. And we tend to think along those lines on getting to heaven too. There's lots of roads leading to the same place. We think, you know, the road of being religious. If I just go to church, if I'm baptized, if I, if I give my money and I don't drink or smoke or, or do drugs, then, then surely that's one road that's going to get me to heaven, the road of being religious. Then there's another road that will get me to heaven. It's the road of just being a good person. If I pay my bills on time, if I'm a good family person, I love my wife and I love my kids and I'm faithful to my wife, I help my neighbors, I I do service in the community, I, I work hard at my job and I'm an upstanding citizen, I vote, I, I give to the United Way, my good outweighs my bad, then, then surely that's a road that's going to get me to heaven. There's another road that we think might get us to heaven too. The road of just being sincere. You know, as long as I'm sincere in what I believe, I can be a sincere Christian, I can be a sincere Muslim, I can be a sincere Buddhist, I can be a sincere Mormon, I can be a sincere uh, Hindu, I can be a sincere You fill in the blank. As long as I am sincere in what I believe, as long as I'm holding to that road of what I believe is true, then I'm going to get to heaven. And what about this? Just the road of trusting God that he's not going to send anybody to hell. I mean, he's a good God. He's a loving God. He's surely going to have mercy on the person who stands before him. And so what we have here, if we're not careful, is we have this idea, this way of thinking that there are many roads leading to heaven. All different kinds of roads, just same destination. The problem with that kind of thinking is that's not what my Bible says. That's not what the truth is. According to the Bible, according to this book, which claims to be true, there's one road leading to heaven, only one. And that road is Jesus. John 14, 6, you you can quote it with me. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is only one name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There are not 
many roads leading to heaven. There is just one road leading to heaven and its gate is small and its way is narrow and few find that road. And that road is Jesus. And that's what he says here in his concluding remarks. There are two roads, and you are on one or the other. And he then says, too, that there are two fruits, good fruit and bad fruit. Let me read to you verses 17 through 20 of Matthew chapter 7. So every tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. You know, that's a whole sermon or two just in and of itself. We as God's children are to be bearing good fruit. We're to be bearing people fruit and we are to be bearing spiritual fruit. The kind of spiritual fruit that you see and read about in Galatians chapter 5. Jesus says, if you don't bear good fruit, you will be cut down and cast into the fire. Again, he's calling for his listeners to respond to his message. He's not wanting us to just sit back in our easy chair and think, you know, oh, what a wonderful sermon he's just preached. And then go home and do nothing with it. No, he's wanting people to respond to his message. Our Christian life is to be actively bearing fruit for Him. We are to be growing in our faith as a Christian. And then he says this in verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and perform many miracles? And I will declare to you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Those are verses that we must plant into our heart and into our mind. We must understand that obedience to God's will is important and he wants to know us. In other words, he wants to have a relationship with us that is up close and personal. He doesn't want us holding him at arm's length. He wants an intimate relationship with us. And if he doesn't have that, if he doesn't know us, then it will be bad news for us come judgment day. And finally, he says this. There are two houses you follow what he's saying? There are two roads, there are two fruits, and there are two houses. Again, there is a choice that Jesus is calling for his listeners to make. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, 
everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be compared to a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house and great was its fall. Well, what was the difference between these two houses? Obviously, one had been built upon the rock and the other had been built upon the sand. But the real difference was one person took in the words of Jesus and he acted upon them. He listened and he obeyed. The other person did not. This person just let Jesus' words go in one ear and out the other. The words of the master made no difference in their life. And so, as we come to the conclusion of this message and this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus has preached, there are some questions that I need to ask you and questions that I need to ask of myself as, tw- as well. Which road, which road are you traveling? Which fruit best describes you? Which house are you building? Are you building on the solid rock of Jesus or are you building on the sand of this world? You you see, Jesus is calling for a decision. Still today. He wants you to decide which way you're going. Who are you going to follow? And when it all comes down to it, there is only one wise choice. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus. The greatest preacher that ever walked the face of this earth. And we have just looked at the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. His sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And he is calling for a decision from those who hear him. Lord, help us to have open ears. Help us to have an open heart. Help us to follow that narrow road. And to bear good fruit to have our lives founded on the solid rock of Jesus. It's in his name we pray.